Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you would like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. As we've talked about throughout our walk through the book of Proverbs, wisdom is grace-given competency to navigate life's complexity. And this week, we're going to look at how God's wisdom affects how we handle wealth and money. The evil pursuing money at all costs and the injustices caused by greed are beyond obvious. And yet commerce and economy are core to our society. So how can you deal wisely with money without it consuming you? In our Proverbs series this week, we're going to learn what God's Word has to teach us about a godly understanding of money and generosity. Here are the assorted Proverbs that deal with the topic of money that we'll be diving into in this week's podcast. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. The wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Trouble pursues the sinner, but the righteous are rewarded with good things. An unplowed field produces food for the poor, but injustice sweeps it away. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. This is God's Word. This is the podcast that you have been waiting for. The topic you've been dying to talk about in the book of Proverbs, money! Okay, maybe that's just a little bit sarcastic. It's one of the most common complaints out there about churches. All they really care about is money. But when a topic is touchy or controversial and causes emotions to rise, it's almost always something that needs to be discussed. And the good news for us is that Proverbs has so many incredible things to say about money, and I think it will surprise you. How does God's wisdom affect how we view money? How does grace-given competency change how you look at your wealth? It changes everything. But to get to the heart of God's view of money, we first need to know one of the vital questions we face in life. What makes you significant? We as people have attempted so many different evaluation systems to answer that deep question. We try to find a statement that tells us that we have, or a standard, excuse me, that tells us that we have significance and we are important. And unsurprisingly, many of us tend to calculate our value based on our net worth. 
Money is measurable. It can often inform us on what's worth it and what's not. And money in and of itself is not evil. In fact, we're going to see a lot of Proverbs that talk about the amazing blessing money is. But is money what sets the price of your significance? It's connected to how our culture often equates personal value with wealth. We also tend to do that with work ethic. How many of us try to prove our significance to ourselves by pointing out how busy we are? We point to the color-coordinated Google calendars and the refrigerator, refrigerator magnet calendars. We may sound exhausted. We tell our friends, oh, I'm so busy. But let's speak honestly. There is a part of us that's thinking, look at all my responsibilities. Clearly, I am needed. Clearly, I am important. We're searching for significance. It's what drives us to try to be successful. It's this hope that one day we will quote-unquote arrive and never doubt our purpose and reason for existence. But is that really where our significance and identity security will come from? The Bible teaches something far different than any other religion or philosophy. As we talked about a few weeks ago, God himself created reality. He created this world not only for us to enjoy it, but to be responsible for it. He wanted to give us significance, not just an eternal vacation, but a satisfying purpose. In other words, it is God alone who assigns value to you. It is the Lord alone who can give you the only significance and security that lasts. And when we know the significance we have in Jesus, we don't place our value in anything but his blood-spilling love for us. And we see ourselves as God sees us. We see all that God has given us, money included, is designed not just for our personal gain, but for the gain of those around us. He longs for us to see giving as symbiotic, that we receive just as much, if not more, than the person we give to. But all that stems from knowing where your true significance lies. The problem we've had as human beings for thousands of years, including in modern American culture, <clears throat> is we haven't always been content with knowing how much we are loved by God. We want more. We want the satisfaction of creating our own significance, of feeling the acclaim of the people around us to say, I've made myself somebody. And this is why wealth can be so dangerous. If you have lots of wealth, you can point to that number and say, look, that's what I'm worth. If you have wealth, often you'll be given a great amount of respect and you'll think you are safe and secure. But underneath all that, we are becoming more and more insecure. Because the more you base your significance on wealth or, or your lack thereof, or work ethic or success, you will never be satisfied, feel whole, or feel enough. That's the struggle of self-addiction. If you base your value on anything besides how God sees you, you will never feel secure. That's the point of Proverbs 10.16. The wages of the righteous is life, living life to the full. Knowing that God has declared you righteous, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. Maybe you're thinking Romans 6.23, right? The wages of sin is death. The same is true if you don't have money. I was talking with a college student from Palm Beach Atlantic a few weeks ago, and he said to me, I just don't know how people can be happy if they don't have money. That just can't be possible. And I do understand where he's coming from. 
It's fed into us culturally from little on, you need to get a job, make a life for yourself, catch the American dream, and you will be somebody and live securely. But the more we strive for wealth or self to give us value, we will confuse wants and needs, we'll become more driven to self, and it's when we are consumed by our cravings that we witness community breakdown, emotional breakdown, and identity breakdown. The reality is, if your budget is on your mind incessantly, if you're trying to stay busy so you can feel important, or if you're running after success because you've convinced yourself that that's how you'll tell the world you've arrived, you'll never find what you're looking for. Instead, you'll break down spiritually, emotionally, physically, and socially. That's where Roger was. Back when my family and I lived in Maryland, our church was surrounded by million-dollar-plus homes, and I happened to be canvassing that day in Roger's neighborhood. And I knocked on his door, and we chatted for a good hour. In the middle of the conversation, I'd said, I said something about how nice his house was. And Roger shook his head. He looked at the ground. And he said, I'd sell all this in a heartbeat if I could have my family back. He told me how his marriage broke down and the relationships with his kids soured because he was working sometimes 90 hours a week, wanting to make more and more money. He was looking for his significance and security in all the wrong places. He knew more than most the meaning of Proverbs 11 verse 4, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. It won't save you. When trial and tragedy and heartbreak come, we need to know what makes us significant. We need to know grace. Now, I have some imagination work for you to do. Imagine what the headlines around the world would be if tomorrow Elon Musk, the world's richest person, sold everything he had, dispersed it to various charities, and chose to live in a homeless shelter. Twitter, of course now it's called X, would go crazy. People wouldn't stop asking him why he did it. It would be outrageous, nonsensical, impossible. But maybe you know that something far more outrageous has actually happened. It involved the wealthiest person this world has ever known. The richest being in the universe, with more power and glory than money could ever buy, chose to give all that up for a homeless life. So he could receive something far better than gold and glory. He gave it all up for a treasure he considers priceless. You. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus gave up heaven and home so you would never doubt that you mean something to God. He wants, he wants you to have real significance and security. He wants you to have a life that's about far more than achieving or buying. In order to make that happen, he needed to give up everything. Jesus was torn to pieces. He was flogged. He was crucified. And in that way, he was given. He was distributed to you. Even now, as we think about the Lord's Supper, his very body and blood miraculously connected with bread and wine, he's being distributed to you now. To tell you that you are forgiven and you are loved. You belong to him because he gave his riches of grace, mercy, kindness, and generosity. So you undoubtedly know that you are significant, secure, and safe. It's the cross alone that gives you what you long for most in life. If anything but Jesus is your treasure, 
You will live a resentment-filled life. But when Jesus is what you value more than anyone and anything else, you'll get to experience the wisdom of not only mastering money, but living in God's grace. But when it comes to money, how can we master it? You master money when you see it as a gift waiting to be given. When you know how significant you are to Jesus, how there is always a seat of honor set for you at His table, you are prepared by God's wisdom for both times of riches and times of poverty. When your AC goes out, which inevitably has to happen at some point in South Florida, or your car insurance explodes in price, or your homeowner's insurance makes you cry, or you're tempted to think that only money can solve your problems, you remember. By faith, you remember. You remember the God who promises to give you daily bread. We long to pray what Proverbs 30 verse 8 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. You remember that His generosity of grace toward you, it's never going to run dry. No matter what your financial situation is right now, can you think of moments in your life when you thought you couldn't make ends meet and all of a sudden something quote-unquote random happened? Someone gave you an unexpected gift or an expense was somehow removed. Do you really think that was random? It was God showing you His giving heart. So we don't desire wealth above all because it may lead us to forget God, like Proverbs says. Nor do we strive for poverty because it could lead to poor decisions spiritually. We simply ask for Jesus because He's given us our worth already. Money isn't what gives us value. Money is our means to sow seeds of God's love in ways that change lives forever. When you know your Savior's significance, you sow generously. And the more you sow, the more you receive. It's just like a farmer throwing seeds everywhere. We want to do the same with our wealth. If a, if a farmer walked away his seed, it does him no good. But if he sows it, the return is undeniable. That's Proverbs 11.24. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. It's a paradox, but it's the absolute truth. To be clear, this is not prosperity gospel, which is all around us in America. The idea that the more money you give, the more money God will give you. We give generously of our money, of our time, and our abilities. God-given abilities because we know who we are in Jesus. And if through our wealth we can experience the joy of seeing someone revel in God's love, you can't put a price tag on that. You give not because it's the rule. You give because you love making sacrifices like Jesus. You give because you want to be a cheerful giver and you know that God is able to bless you abundantly, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In other words, God gives you not just what you need, but He gives you more than what you need so you can give and experience that grace of giving. And so you look at your budget, and the very first line item is your church offering. Why? It's not because of guilt. It's because you know that money given toward the cause of Jesus will give you a return that will compound for endless time. Pastor Tim Keller once said that if you're 
Giving isn't affecting your vacation plans, clothes, and luxuries. We're missing out on just how incredible the gift of giving is. It grows your faith. That's the beauty of when we get to give offerings for church. It's one of the few things in life that you know your wealth to produce not just a difference for the right now, but change someone's life forever, including your own. Think this through with me. Your gifts to Divine Savior Church are being put to work in Vietnam, China, and South America as missionaries are supported in bringing Jesus to people grasping for lasting, for lasting hope. Your gifts are seen in all of our Divine Savior campuses as more and more people are led by God to see where their true worth is. At our own church here in West Palm Beach, everything we do happens because of your giving. We are completely run by volunteer dollars and hours. We take ownership. And we celebrate every single soul that we reach with Jesus because it truly is a team effort. From our We Care team providing meals and driving people to medical appointments to our children placing their dollars and quarters in the offering plate, we rejoice that we get to be generous like Jesus and watch Him do what He does best. Give of Himself so we can have a kind of wealth that is secure, hope-filled, and life-giving. And such a thought, it makes me think of a dear person in my life. His name was Mr. Stern to me. His first name was Donald, but I never called him that. I called him Mr. Stern. And growing up, he truly was a grandpa to me. Every Sunday from the time I was three to right around nine or ten, when he'd see me before church, he'd give me a hug, and he'd say, Johnny, who loves you the most? And I'd say, Jesus. And sometimes he'd put a dollar in my hand. And say, that's right. And I'd like you to give this to him for me to say thank you. Can you do that? It says it all, doesn't it? We give because he gave us everything. And we know it's so worth it. Amen. As always, it is an honor beyond compare that you're listening to this. I I truly am amazed by God's incredible grace in my life. I get to share his good news with you, whether you're in Florida or Wisconsin or Norway or Australia. We have listeners from all over the place. and I, It's just a joy to bring Jesus to you. So thank you so much for listening. God's richest blessings as you seek to live generously in the amazing grace that he's given us. God bless. Mm-hmm.